Hi, this is your host, Nisa Harris, and you are listening to Shomea Ve'ona Tehillim and Other Hebrew Text Podcast, episode 103. The following is the recitation of Psalm 93, aka Perek or Mizmor Tzadik Gimel. After the recitation, stay tuned to hear more about this Mizmor. thought to be one of the 11 psalms written by Moshe. Nice and short, there are only five psukim in this psalm. Helpful when it's said as the song on the day of Friday before Shabbos rush. And also the last psalm that is said before greeting the Shabbos in Kabbalat Shabbat. It is written in a staccato, simple, but punchy and poetic form, as though to indicate that each word, especially those repeated, are of significance. It is thought to be connected to the previous psalm where, as Rav Hirsch explains in Psalm 92, Hashem was on high, and then here he is lavesh, a word repeated, aka dressed, in a way that man can now relate, dressed in grandeur and girded with strength. Depending on how the words are interpreted, give different commentaries ideas of how to look at this mismore. Some, like Radak, see the, this is more to exemplify what the end of days will look like uh, when everyone acknowledges that God is the master and king over the universe and the waters that can make roaring sounds when combined are nothing in comparison with the greatness of God. Others understand that this psalm hints at a time when the rivers themselves thought they could overthrow God. Other commentaries understand that the rivers are a metaphor for the enemies that are haughty enough that they think they can overcome God and his people, but to no avail since Hashem is all-powerful over all nature and all forces within it, and he created a world, Baal Timot, that cannot falter. Then there is this idea that God is dressed in his Shabbos best after finishing creating the world, ready to greet the Shabbos. In any case, I want to focus again on what Hashem is dressed in. 
in this imagery. It says in Pasuk Aleph, Hashem Malach Geut Lavesh. Hashem is king, he wears pride. Geut from the word Gava or arrogance. Arrogance usually has a negative connotation, so how is it being ascribed to God here? Malbim explains that Geut is referring to above or supernatural as opposed to the other way that God interacts in the world, which is the natural way, both being the same side of one coin since what we consider a miracle is really just God removing the natural rules that he set into motion and allowing the miracle to happen. So actually everything that continues to obey the natural rule is in itself a miracle that's holding in place. I think that explanation helps to not only give an alternative understanding to the possibility that the narrator is claiming that God is dressed in arrogance, but also helps us understand why even if the narrator actually meant to indicate that God was dressed in arrogance, it was rightfully so. In other words, when we think of someone who is arrogant, we think of someone who is pretending to be more or greater than something that they actually are. Remember, the narrator is eliciting these anthropomorphic descriptions of God based on his own experiences. And if it's Moshe Rabbeinu who witnessed the splitting of the sea, etc., which this psalm also alludes to with certain word references, then he is declaring that God does actually have that right to declare that he is dressed in pride since ultimately he has clearly demonstrated time and again that he is above all else. Indicating this assignment to God alone becomes important in the next psalm where I, you know, looked ahead a little, where the arrogant ones are also mentioned, but it's referring to those who think that they are or know or can be better than what and who God is, and asking for Hashem to take revenge on those evildoers, Risha Emmet calls, that rise up against us. What causes this narrator, who we assume is Moshe in this and the next psalm, to be able to assign the same sentiment of arrogance to both the creator of the world and then Rishaim, aka evildoers? Rabbi Joseph B. Soloveitchik in Worship of the Heart, page 1-2, quotes John Henry Newman, who says that, quote, in the provinces of religious inquiry, egotism is true modesty, end quote. The Rab goes on to explain that while he himself is currently lecturing on prayer in this book of his, a subject matter that is understood, experienced, and enjoyed by an individual, and at the same time that he makes sure to corroborate his conviction and feeling with Jewish law, etc., he says, quote, One can only express his own feelings. He cannot and should not lay down universal postulates and general rules. He may hope that by formulating his own experiences in clear language, others may benefit from his self-revelation and enrich their own religious life, etc., end quote. This brings up three important points. First, that God gave us permission to use anthropomorphic comparisons in order to relate to us when he himself placed it in the Torah, and therefore he is what we experience him as relative to the feelings that we understand. Second, that the pursuit of getting to know God more 
is modest in itself because it shows that we know our place and recognize there is more we don't know, etc. And third, it should give us a pause like, whoa, we might all be experiencing God in a totally different way from each other. And no one is necessarily right or wrong for feeling what they are feeling so long as they don't assume that their way is the only correct way. The narrator sees that Hashem has the right to walk around proudly because his goals are to ensure that others are okay and connected versus the, quote, evildoers in the next psalm that, remember, we already define not as inherently wicked, but as disconnected, and now claiming that only they are right in what they believe without taking in and connecting with the clear and present grandeur in front of them that that exists in nature and all around them as this psalm protests. The psalmist is saying that the only zero sum, the only absolute, is that there is one true God on high, and anyone else that claims to be absolutely correct is arrogant for even thinking that that's possible. Our question in general and or assumption should never be, am I right or wrong? That is the very thing that leads to arrogance, the very thing that leads us to disconnect from ourselves, each other, and God. Our question should be, am I and is my fellow person okay? Are we seeking to feel more connected? We are not concerned with where is our imperfection so that we can feel negatively about ourselves and others. Instead, our focus becomes concerning ourselves with how can I be or help them be better and more connected than we were yesterday. May we be able to overlook who is right and wrong, and instead just be able to be present for ourselves and others in the ways that are needed. The learning and recitation for this week's episode is for the merit that those who are in need are able to receive whatever is needed. Please stay tuned until after this quick break. that you would like to sponsor or if you have any questions please email me at nurseNisa1 N-U-R-S-E-N-I-S-A the number one at gmail.com also don't forget to join the Facebook group to be aware of upcoming episodes please subscribe and share thank you for joining okay.